We're got an exciting time to uh, have today. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm excited. But don't lie in church. <laughs> well, I'm so glad each one of you are here. All of you should have received a little piece of puzzle, a little piece of puzzle. How many received your little piece of the puzzle? All right, just keep that next to you. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I want to talk to you on part three of a series that we're in, Resurrection Hope. And today's a tough one. Today is hope in the midst of devastating loss. All of us have received um, good times and we have been brought into some difficult times. And one of the hottest times is when we face devastating loss. And that can be different for everybody. It looks different because we are different people and it's different levels of loss. And then there is a really really difficult loss of a, a son or daughter or a spouse or, you know, or even, even a parent. And so there are different levels of loss, but nevertheless, whatever that level is, it can be very devastating. And yet in the midst of it, in the midst of it, someone say in the midst of it, there is hope. You see, this is what changes everything. And so we've been on a journey so far. In part one, we talked about in the darkest days, our hope, hope gives light. It's about resurrection. That was on Easter. It looked real bleak there on Friday, but Sunday came. How many know you sometimes have days that looks real bleak? Come on, raise your hand. How many have a day that looks real bleak? But you've got to remind yourself, God's not done yet. Just tell your neighbor, God's not done yet. And when you recognize that, God brings light even in the midst of dark days. And then in part two, we talked about discouragement. In our dis discouragement, God's hope brings faith because here was Mary Magdalene and she went to the tomb to, to mourn and things were really bad. Jesus was now dead. Her Savior was dead and she was really discouraged. But when she got to the tomb, the tomb was empty. She thought someone had stole the body. And yet, and yet, in one moment, in one moment, she encountered Jesus Christ. She saw the resurrection. She saw I am right there after he had been resurrected. All of a sudden, her moment she was having of discouragement was no longer discouragement because one encounter with God changes everything. Tell your neighbor, just one encounter with God will change everything. The, to me, I can't emphasize that enough because when we go through our difficult storms and situations, we need an encounter with God. We need an encounter with God. And in the midst of that, today, we're going to be talking about devastating loss because God brings his hope. And in that devastating time, God brings, watch this now, peace. And next week, we're going to be talking about in times of discord, God brings unity in times of disunity. God will help you in whatever situation you are in. Last week, we talked about Peter. Peter was very discouraged. Anybody remember why Peter was discouraged? Huh? Yeah, big time. Not just one time, not two times, but three times. How many of you failed a few times and you keep on failing? How many, how many have those moments in life that you just say, oh, God, oh, Lord, please forgive me? But yet Peter denied he knew the Lord. This, was, this is the guy before. He said, God, I'll die for you. And, and Jesus said, no, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Not me, Lord. But what happened? That's exactly what took place. 
He denied the Lord three times, and then the rooster crowed. I want you to understand something. God has hope even in difficult situations. And today, we're going to be talking about this. And so I want you to understand something. You've got a piece of the puzzle for a reason. So let me show you the reason. I want you to take that piece of puzzle in your hand. I have a piece as well in my hand, and I just want you to look at it for a moment. Just look at it. I just want you to see what you have received. Somebody gave you this piece of puzzle, but this puzzle represents events that take place in our life, and we don't understand them. Sometimes we get a piece of the puzzle in life. We say, I don't like this piece. I really don't like this event. I don't like this season that I'm in, and we don't understand what this really means. So I want you to look at that piece of puzzle right now, and I want you to know, what, can you, what do you know about that piece? Just like, what, do you, what can you learn about that piece? Just look at it and tell me, what can you learn from this piece? And, and then I want you to ask another, uh, another part is, what does that piece go to? What does this puzzle go to? What's the picture? I want you to imagine, try to figure what that picture looks like. Try to do it. Try to get the answer from one piece of the puzzle. Now watch this. Most of us don't understand when we go through life and life gives us a piece of the puzzle that we just don't understand. It's hard. It's difficult. It's sort of like every piece goes to another piece and every piece is creating a story. And as the story is creating, you're going to get a bigger picture. Someone say, God has the big picture. But in the midst of life, we have pieces that God gives us. And we can say, you know what, God, I don't want that piece. I don't like it. It's too tough. It's too hard. It's too much. It's too heavy. I don't like that piece. And before, I, you know what, God, I don't even want nothing to do with you anymore because of the piece you gave me. And that's what we do sometimes. Not realizing that that very piece goes to another piece. And to another piece, that every piece of the puzzle is important when we truly understand. You see, sometimes because of our own choices and our own actions, we cause our puzzle or our life to miss pieces because we choose not to receive what God has. Every piece is important to a puzzle. Every piece. You can have a thousand pieces to a puzzle, and if one piece out of a thousand is not in place, the picture is not complete. Have anybody ever put together a puzzle and you spent a long time to come to the conclusion that someone stole your piece? That one piece to make all that work complete. Sometimes we're not working with God, we're working against the Lord and we're going to be talking about this piece this morning. Just put that off to the side for a moment. I want to tell you a story that happened in our family that was very difficult. It was devastating. It happened to be with my nephew, Jordan. Jordan was a young man, went through Bible school, then left, went to Michigan, worked in a church, started working with the youth, and he was about to get married. We left. We participated in the wedding. We had a wonderful time in the reception. It was great. Everybody in the family had a great time together. It was a really wonderful time. It was a moment of elation. It was a celebration. It was wonderful until we got a call probably 12 hours later that both of them, groom and bride, had been in an automobile accident and our nephew was now with the Lord. 
to go from a moment of elation, of celebration, all of a sudden, that was the peace that, that Kim and Ryan had. That was the peace that the family had to. This was the peace, and the question is, why, God? Why did you give this peace? And many of you here, I know some of your stories, you too have had hard pieces given to us that's just been difficult. And I understand that. I understand that when, you know, someone in the family goes out for, to war and they don't come home. Devastates the family, devastates the kids. There are tough things that take place in this world. And yet, and yet, the reason why we celebrate as a believer in Jesus Christ is because in a devastating loss, there is hope, and this hope is found in Jesus. And in the midst of our un not understanding everything, with all the questions, not understanding everything, we do understand one thing. God is in control. And God has all things in his hands. And if you just let God be God, he'll not only strengthen you, he'll not only help you, he will guide you and strengthen you and make you to the vessel where all of a sudden you'll see good coming out of hardship. Jesus himself went through many hardships. Peter went through many hardships. Paul went through many hardships. Many of the individuals went through many hardships. Hardships are hard but they're not forever. There are moments of time that are difficult. Today, I want to talk to you about this resurrection hope, this hope in the midst of times that's tough. And I'm going to take you to a story where people were not very happy with Jesus at the moment. And these people were very close to Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, this is going to be good. Let's go, to, let's go on this journey Let's look at point one. Jesus sees the bigger picture. John 11, let's look at first, the first seven verses. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now laid sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory of God so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet, yet, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, sick he stayed where he was for two more days then said to the disciples, let's go to Judea. I want you to get this. This is hard. And sometimes we experience this when God doesn't really do what we think God wants to do when we want God to do it. It's amazing how we as God's people don't want to do what God wants us to do. Then we get mad at God when he doesn't do what we want him to do. Think about that for a second. We're so quick, so quick to bring judgment upon God, but so slow to bring Reality to our own choices and our own reality. Just in Scripture, Jesus loves Mary and Martha. They're very close. Mary and Martha must have cooked many meals for Jesus during the years. And Lazarus was also very close. Where the Scripture says that Jesus loved him. Someone say loved him. So when you love someone, do you show that love? And how do you show that love? Jesus loved Lazarus, but what did Jesus decide to do? He stood 
two more days and did not go to his friend that was sick because he saw, watch this now, the bigger picture. Someone say bigger picture. You know, in life, you're not going to understand everything. You're just not. But I do know that from experience, as I live life, you get answers sometimes in time. Sometimes they come quickly, and sometimes it's progressively. But God is always with us. Just say that God is with me. That's a promise. He'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. We live in a broken world. We live in a broken world because of sin, because how the devil has come in and caused havoc. People don't blame the devil. They just want to blame God. There is a battle out there in the real world. We need to understand that. This Mary poured, at one time, poured expensive perfume on Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair. And that story, that Bible truth is mentioned in all four Gospels. And this is the one. And yet Jesus here, in his omniscience, sees his friend Lazarus, who is sick, knowing this is not, gonna, this is not going to kill him, but this is an opportunity for people to know that God has sent forth his son into the world. God is always doing a work. God is always giving us pieces. And what we need to do with the pieces of our life is to say, God, what do you want me to learn? And how can I be better from this? How can I not be bitter from this, God? And help me to see the big picture. Someone say big picture. Now, we don't see the big picture from this, do we? We don't even know what this picture looks like, do we? How many like to know what this picture looks like? Ah, will I show it to you before the end of this sermon? Hmm. You see, one of the things that you and I have to, we all have great needs. There's all type of needs in this room. And, but yet God wants to help you. And sometimes evil happens in life. It happens. It happened to the disciples. You know, one of the persons, one that I'll mention is Stephen. Stephen was an incredible man of God, anointed by God. And yet, evil came over and stoned him to death. But what did Stephen do? Did he get bitter even in the midst of it? No, while they're stoning him, while they're killing him, because, see, eternity is really what we're all shooting for. We're just passing through. It's all we are, passing through. The best is yet to come. But I want you to get this. I want you to get this, that here Jesus comes. Stephen is being persecuted. And you see in Scripture that it says Jesus was standing up. How many know the Scripture says that Jesus stood on the right hand of God? But not when Stephen was being persecuted. He was standing up. And then Stephen says, lay not this charge against them, Lord. He was actually bringing forgiveness. That is a man who follows after the footsteps of Jesus. So when someone hurts you and someone afflicts you, be quick to forgive. Someone say forgive. Because when you forgive, that's when you really live. I want you to understand, God's timing may be different than our timing, but God has an ultimate plan, and his plan's greater than your plan, and his plan's better than your plan, even though you don't understand it. Now, one of the biggest questions sometimes are at funerals, and I've done plenty of funerals, and the big question is, why? There's sometimes, why does not come at the moment? Was it because of choices made? Did the person have any choice? There's a lot. Every situation's different. In the midst, there's hope. There's always hope in God. Always hope in God. 
1 Corinthians 2, 9, one of, my, one of my scriptures I so love. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered in the mind of man the things that God has for those that love him. Oh, someone said the best is yet to come. Look what it says here in verse 11 to 15. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought it meant natural sleep. So when he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, they didn't get what Jesus was thinking, because many times in Scripture, when they talk about sleep, they're talking about death. It's mentioned many times in Scripture. But I want you to understand something. Every one of us can recall a situation we found ourselves in that we needed Jesus to show up. And Mary and Martha were looking for Jesus to show up in a very difficult situation. Whatever that situation may be. Sometimes it could be in a diagnosis from the doctor. Everything's going well. Everything's wonderful. I remember the day that I went to the doctor. I was having some problems. And I got a diagnosis that was not a good diagnosis. It was a terrible one, actually. And it's a diagnosis that many of you have gotten already. When all of a sudden they see the C word. You know, and it's not Christ, because I like when a doctor talks about Christ. But you get these diagnoses, but God, but God is bigger than it all. Because God is your healer, God is your strength, even though when things get worse. I remember how much I bled for three or four months continuously. That's besides other symptoms that I had. And this one doctor was not really an encouraging one, to say the least. <laughs> But I came out saying, God, I don't care what they say. I know who's in control. Even though this seems to be the peace, God, I know who reigns and who rules. And even when the pressure is on, you're still the one that says, peace, be still. Somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, in prayer, God spoke to my heart. And he said, you're good. And I said to the Lord, what does that mean? <laughs> this is the peace I got in the midst of months of issues. You're good. Well, I know you're good, but I'm not feeling good. This is the peace you've given me, and I don't feel good. But God just spoke it twice, and that was it. At the end of the story, after a procedure to figure it all out, <laughs> I love this. The doctor said, Brian, you're good. <laughs> Come on now, give some praise in the house of the Lord because we may not understand the piece of the puzzle, but we can understand who holds our hand. That's what relationship and faith is. It's going to the master because you're his masterpiece. You see, we all have a situation and I don't know, maybe you've received some bad news and maybe you have a, a relationship that's broken uh, maybe you have a dream that is no longer a dream it's been crushed by naysayers those who say it can't be done maybe it's a marriage maybe it's a career maybe it's goals these things seem to be so far away i don't know about you but god is with you and there's hope
There's always hope. Hope is holding under promises every day, holding under prayer every day, knowing the one who leads you is the one that's in you, and therefore, you're good. Look at your neighbor and say, you're good. <laughs> you see, the truth is that our timing is often not God's timing. Not only did I have to face months of issues, but I had things break down. I had pipes in the walls leak. I had water damage. I mean, it just, the refrigerator broke. The, the sink broke. I mean, all these things broke and broke. And I'm like, this is not the time, Lord. This all happened during my vacation. I didn't have no vacation last year. It was taken up by one of the ailments. And I could do nothing for a whole month. You think that was a piece I enjoyed? I'll let you know right now. No, it wasn't. But I know who leads me. I know who helps me. I know who holds my hand. And therefore, I'm good. Blessed be his name. You see, you have to recognize that we all have a story, but we have to realize that God does things strategically. And even when hurt and harm comes and the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, God comes in and says, you know what? I'm going to turn this bad thing into a good thing, and you and I, we're going to do something together. This is not to destroy you. I'm going to tell you what, what the enemy was trying to do something harmful. I'm going to rise you up to become all you can be in me. I'm going to be your strength. I'm going to be your source as you come unto me, as you look unto me. You've got to go to the source if you want the source to come through you. Mm, that's good preaching right there. I'll tell you, that's good preaching. Look at anybody and say, I think he's right. <laughs> You see, God's doing at work. So let's look at this piece of puzzle. You know, if you were to put a puzzle together, everybody goes to the box. How many have ever cheated and put in a piece of a puzzle, a large puzzle, and you, you look at the box and first? How many, how many have looked at the box? What if, what if someone gives you a puzzle in a Ziploc and there's no picture? You don't know what it looks like. So you say, well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put the edges together. That's great. That's great. But when it's a thousand-piece puzzle, those edges don't help you. <laughs> and if those colors are very similar, oh, boy, does that not help you. So looking at, look at this puzzle. Look at it. Look at the piece. I want you to get this. I want you to understand this because it's really difficult. We struggle with the pieces that God gives us. We don't understand it. We don't like it. Mary and Martha is not liking the peace they've been given. They asked Jesus to come and Jesus didn't show up. And when Jesus is about to show up, and we'll see this in a moment, they're like, you know what? This is your fault. So we're so quick to blame God all the time. It's always God's fault. It's not our fault, is it? No. It's always God's fault. Or it's always someone else's fault. But I'm going to show you this now. And this is important because trials come. Trials do come. But your God's bigger than trials. Your God's greater than all. What God wants you to know that as he gives you a peace, every piece is an event that takes place in your life. So you have many pieces of the puzzle all within a vessel. Someone say all within a vessel. So you ready to see this puzzle, what it looks like? Are you ready? I'm not going to show it to you just yet. Because I want you to get this. 
that every peace that God gives you is for a reason. And it's not to get bitter. It's not to get angry. It's not to have resentment. It's to say, God, what do you want me to learn? And Lord, I trust you. And Lord, I'm going to learn something and be better for it. Because I know you're in control. Because you have the big picture. Here it goes. Ready now? Ready? Here it. Not yet. Not yet. You got to remember, all these pieces are in a vessel. Someone say in a vessel. Here we go. Did you have a picture? That's what it looked like? Did you imagine that there's a picture within a vessel? There is the whale, but in a vessel of that whale are all of these events and all of this going on. That's like you. That's like I. All of these pieces are, are together in the vessel. And you have events and you have things that have taken place in your life. And every piece that God gives you is God's putting things together in the vessel. You've got to be able to see the peace you have and the value of what you can learn in the midst of it all. Let's go to the portion of Scripture. And let's go to verse 17 now and continue with the narrative. It says this. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary and to comfort them in their loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. She wanted to understand something. Mary was very close to Jesus, but she, she didn't want to go. She was deeply, deeply in pain. But Martha went. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many of you sometimes blame God for certain things? Lord, if you would have showed up. Lord, if you would have intervened. Lord. We all have. Come on now. We all have. We we'll always want to blame it on Lord, but we don't ever want to take any responsibility or we don't want to really recognize that sometimes there's a lot of things that take place in life that is just downright wrong and people do wrong things. The big if in life. If you were here, things would have changed. I like the word li- uh, if. In the middle of life, what is, what's the two letters in the middle of life? If. If you do that, this will happen. If you do this, that will happen. Your if in life determines what happens in your life. And we need to recognize that. Right now they're saying, you know, Lord, if you were here, things would have been different. You see, God has, someone say it, the bigger picture. God always has a bigger picture. It reminds me of the story of Moses. How many remember the story of Moses? Moses is in front of the burning bush. This is so wonderful. This is how God works a little bit. It's a little bit mysterious and a little bit like, oh, God, you could have told me this. Moses is before the burning bush, and the Moses is before the Lord, and the Lord says, Moses, what do you have in your hand? And Moses says, my staff. And the Lord says, throw it on the ground. And so Moses takes his staff and throws it on the ground. What does it turn into? Yeah, it turns into a snake. And so he sees, whoa, turns into a snake. What does God say to him? Pick it up by the what? Yeah, pick up the snake by the tail. How many want to do that? Mary? Mary? Yeah. (laughs) Pick it up by the tail. You don't pick up snakes by the tail. So he picks it up by the tail and it turns into a staff again. God says, I want you to go with the rod of God. I want you to go to Pharaoh and you tell him, let my people go. Moses goes through a bunch of other stuff with the Lord and 
Finally, he goes with his brother Aaron. They go down to Moses. Now, all of a sudden, he takes the rod of God. Someone say the rod of God. He takes the rod of God, and he throws it down. And what does it do? It turns into a snake. Ooh, power of God. Until the magicians and the sorcerers put down their, their rods, and they put them on the ground. And go to, what happened? They turned into snakes. And God didn't tell me that one. God didn't tell Moses, hey, don't worry about anything that happens here, you know. So here he is thinking, I just saw a staff turn into a snake. Wow, God is with me. Puts it down. The sorcerers turn it into snakes, and all of a sudden, God didn't say nothing about that. God don't always tell us everything. Sorry, people, he doesn't. He's God. He has a big, tell me a bigger picture. But what we need to understand is that God's staff ate up all those other snakes. And all the sorcerers go, oh, they just killed all our snakes. He ate them. They had no more staffs. And then Moses picks up his staff. Now, the, now it's heftier. <laughs> no, it's not. It's the, same, it's the same staff. Gained all that weight. No, it didn't. See, God don't always tell us everything. Even those in his will and working for him, God wants us to walk by faith. He wants us to trust him. People always say, well, you know, God has to tell me everything, and then I'll do it. You know, you're going, not going anywhere in life. Because God has to, God wants you to walk by faith. you got to trust him. That's what trust does. Let's go on and look at this narrative here. It gets even better. Look at your name and say, it's going to get better. Ooh, it's going to get better. Here it goes, verse 22. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. This is Martha talking to Jesus. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, oh, I love this. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she's told him. I believe that you are Christ, the Son of God, who has come into this world. Wow, this is amazing. This is powerful because you know one of the things that people fear? That everybody fears death. But death in God is nothing to be feared because it is a gateway unto his presence. It's a gateway unto the family of God. It's the gateway of eternal life. This is why Jesus Christ came. He defeated death, sin, and the grave. You know the real problem? People don't want to leave what they got. But if you compare it to heaven, they don't got much. They just think they got stuff. It really is the truth. It's a beautiful thing. The Lord says this, and this is a really, this is the thing I want you to get here in this portion of scripture. Is Jesus really helps her to understand who he is. I know my brother's going to rise again in the last days. No, 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 Martha, you don't understand. I am the resurrection and the life. All the whole testament was waiting for the fulfillment of Jesus to come and to do what he did. The whole aspect of deliverance, that's what Jesus is. The name salvation, Jesus, is deliverer. He is your deliverer. Look at your neighbor and say, he is my deliverer. Jesus said in 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though they die. You see, this is the hope we have. 
So when I go to a funeral and a, fu- and a person had a relationship, has a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's never goodbye. It's never goodbye. It's always see you later. And what I love so much, what I love so much is that a person in God's beautiful, I love this, and I've seen this. I've been there at a bedside. I've been at a bedside of a person who was very, 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 if I want to call him wicked, evil, whatever you want to call it. But I also was there when he had a moment. It only takes a moment for a person to say, oh, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Oh, it takes a small moment, but in God's grace, but not everybody gets the moment. People say, I'll just wait for the end. You don't even know how it's going to happen. That's why Jesus says, be ready. But I also will tell you, I also will tell you that God's grace is great. His mercy is large. And it just takes a heart and a prayer. It's like the thief on the cross. Lord, when you, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. He says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. He had an, he had an illumination even on the cross, the thief did. God says to Mary, I am the resurrection. Remember Old Testament? Moses says, who should I say send me? And the Lord says, tell him I am that I am. And what does it say? What does that mean? I am all you need to be. God's saying to the people of Israel, to you and I, he is everything you need him to be. He is your great I am. I will be what you need me to be because he is what he said he is. I will provide, I will do because I am the great I am. I am the God that's self-sufficient, self-sustaining, who was, who is, who will be. And all we need to do in the midst of our pieces of puzzles that we're given in life is to trust him, walk in him, learn of him. And the more you know of him, the more you grow in him. But how much do you want to grow? You see, you have to understand in, this, in, the, in the garden, the Satan hated the relationship between man and God, hated it. So he wanted to bring a, a destruction to it. So what did he do? He brought temptation to the couple, and they fell. How did they fall? Fell by giving them truth and lie, mixing it together. That's what causes more deceptions in people is when you mix truth and lie together, the greatest type of deception. And so from the temptation to the fall to judgment, and then, of course, promise, provision, and protection and peace coming through Jesus Christ, fulfillment. The Bible says in this portion of Scripture, Jesus asks Mary, do you believe this? This is a big question that I always ask people when I talk about this text. What do you believe? And what you believe in, are you really believe it or you just believe it because it's the right thing you think to believe? You've got to own it to believe it. Let's read, go on. Look at part, part, uh, point two. Jesus is not afraid of your feelings. Now, this is great. I love this portion of Scripture. Verse 28, and after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. Remember, Mary never left. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not entered the village, but he was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. 
And when Mary, Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, once again, both of them said the same thing, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many times we kind of say, Lord, this is your fault. It's never God's fault. We just don't understand. There's always many decisions that come down to a decision. But they were hurt. They have lost their brother. You have to understand something. Back in that day, these two young ladies lived with their brother. He was a sustenance to their life. So now the man had died. Where, how are they going to live now? Because that's how it was back in that time. And so they had some issues. They recognized that. Life was going to be different without their brother. If you're only here, Lord, we can all relate to that, can't we? Mary and Martha are angry. Mary and Martha are confused. Why didn't you show up? I mean, you loved him. You healed all these people. You've done all this work, and yet you know he's sick, and you don't come. And you say you love us? And that's what we say, God, when God don't work the way we think he should work. God, you say you love me, and yet this happens? Come on, let's be honest. The reason is we're coming from a perspective is because we're not coming from his perspective because he knows a bigger picture. Someone say bigger picture. And all we do is get angry at the picture we have, and we start to squall, and we start to have attitude, and we start to have bitterness and hatred, and we're all angry because we're just stuck in our own little world and our own little questions and our own little answer, and we don't understand God's big picture. We make a mess of life, living in our pain instead of healing from the pain. And once hope comes, once they truly understand what God's about to do, boy, are things going to be different. What I love about this story is how Jesus, he doesn't reprimand Mary and Martha. He doesn't say, you know what, you know who I am? I can't believe this. Don't you have any faith at all? I mean, do you really trust me? I mean, you want to blame me for this situation? See, he doesn't reprimand them at all. Matter of fact, just the opposite. He comforts them. He reminds them who he is. He reminds them to believe. And he speaks frankly and honest to them. He allows them to be vulnerable and to say what they need to say. And can I just relieve you? When you're upset about something, it's okay. God is not afraid of your upset, of your pain. It's okay to be real with God. I want you to free yourself. People say, you know, no, it's okay. God sees everything. He knows the situation. You ain't going to tell him he does something he doesn't know. It's okay. When that situation took place with Jordan, I was very frank with God. God, this is just not right. When, Frank, when Chris Fairland was here on Wednesday night, and I had a wonderful moment with him, and it was just gone. And we were in Romans chapter 16. We're just ending Romans chapter 16. It's a beautiful chapter, and he left on his motorcycle. And then minutes, minutes, I get a phone call saying he's just been in an accident. Just got, just down to the corner over here. I arrived at the accident scene probably within four minutes, and there he is, bike, truck, and all. And as I'm pacing, I'm with five kids, all small, and I'm saying, God, I don't get this. I don't get this. There are some times in life we're not going to get things. I have no answers. 
I just know one thing. There's always a bigger picture that's going on. And this whole thing of life is trusting God in the mess of it all because I know that God's always in control. And so we had to get a chance to have, how many months were they living with us? All six months, having five, six, seven people more living in the house while we reconstruct their house. Because I remember Chris, I tell him, Chris, take one room at a time. You don't want to destroy your whole house. I'm so glad he listened to me. Not. I get to his house one day, every room is just demolished. And that's how it left, a demolished house. Had to put it all back together again. It took a long time. I thank God for the island. They were a huge help in the process. But I'm just saying things happen that is tough, but you can't. <clears throat> that's where faith is. And that's where they are. And Jesus is listening to their heart. He is listening to their pain. The Lord will use everything in our life to build our character, build our strength. Because when we go to someone else and they're going through something, you can be the best person to minister to someone who's in great pain because you've been there. Someone say been there. God uses the good, the bad, the ugly. He can turn around. I love this aspect here. Listen to this scripture. John 15, 13, 14. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends, and you are his friends if you do what I command. Think about this. Jesus himself laid down his own life. People say, well, it's not fair. Well, do you think it was fair that the Savior that made you come down and sacrifice and be brutally abused by the people he created? Just think about that for a moment. And still love us? Man, we get... Our thoughts so warped sometimes because just because we don't understand the peace that we're living at the moment, the season, we just, we don't understand what God went through for us. And he was innocent. We're guilty. We're guilty. Why don't you just say that to yourself and remind yourself, you're guilty if it wasn't for the love of Jesus Christ. Thank God for what he's done for you and I. Let's look at this portion of scripture in John eleven thirty three. When Jesus saw her weeping and the, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he also was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they re replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could he not open the eyes of the blind, have kept this man from dying? We're so quick to get negative and yet not understand the big picture. Come on now. Now I'm, I'm talking to us because we're all so quick. When we don't understand the big picture, we're so critical of everything. We're so quick to find the faults. You know what? He could have changed everything. He could have. He didn't. They don't understand the big picture because there's a big picture about to happen real quick. Jesus touched. Jesus was touched at his core, and it says he wept. Why did Jesus weep if he knew that he was going to resurrect Lazarus? What he was seeing was the results of sin and death and pain. What he was seeing is how people have to go through so much more pain because of sin, death, and the results of disobedience. And just seeing the pain of death. God is a God of life. It's the opposite of death. Everything that God is is the opposite of darkness. 
How many of you memorize scripture? Raise your hand. How many would believe that I can have you memorize scripture in seven seconds? I can, before you go out today, I can have you memorize in scripture today. Raise your hand. How many believe that? I've got one person has faith in pastor. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, okay. All right. See how one person makes a difference? You led the way. Here it goes. Ready? Everybody say John 11. 35. Jesus wept. How many know? Come on now. Fair to me. John 11, 35. Okay? Jesus wept. You all just memorized scripture today. Give the Lord a hand. Pray the Lord. You get the word in you. <laughs> Jesus wept because he was, he was identifying with the sorrow of the pain that came with death. Someone needs to hear this this morning. When you weep, Jesus weeps with you. When you're in pain, Jesus is in pain with you. When your heart breaks for a situation or a circumstance, your God, your Savior, it breaks with you because your God, who rules and reigns over all the universe, loves you so much. That's why he died for you and I. Look what the scripture says here in Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's a powerful portion of scripture. Psalms 147, 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Your God is a nurturing God. Your God wants to do a work in you and through you. Let's, let's look at this last point here. Jesus brings dead things to life. You know, GE brings good things to life. <laughs> Jesus brings dead things to life. Look at it says here in verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. He, it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad order, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you? that if you believe, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said to the Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. I think we need to understand that when we pray. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Someone say bigger picture. Bigger picture. Verse 43. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped, and strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes. Let him go. Let him go. I don't know, but he came out, and when he came out, he was a jumping. He couldn't see, but he came because he was all full of grave clothes. And so often we're full of grave clothes from this world that wants to bind us up and get us all doubting and lack of faith. These grave clothes will bind you, but Jesus says, loose him. He is free and free indeed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't hang on to those things of this world. Don't let the devil mess with your mind. There is no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. God wants to do a work in you and through you, but you got to get to the master. You got to get to the one who loves you. You got to get to know who God is, and then God will work in you and through you. And all of a sudden, you're all grieved up, but then you're free. You allow yourself under the oppression of the enemy to bind on up, but God has set you free. And that's what happened that day. Did Mary and, and, and Martha, what do you think happened when they saw their brother come out? 
Were they now blaming God? Oh, no, no, no. They were thanking God. Because now they understood the big picture. At first, they, they were in despair. They were in hardship. They were in pain. And so many times, people look at the situations of their life, and they listen more to everybody else, but they don't listen to the one who gives life. They'd rather listen to this guy and this author and this book and this person says, but they don't listen to the one who matters. Get your eyes on the one who matters, and then life will matter more because you'll have more in you so that God can work through you. Don't get me preaching. This is important for us to understand that God did. This is four days. We shouldn't be shocked that Jesus raised from the dead. I mean, when you look at 1 Kings 17, Elijah, the prophet, raised the widow of Zarephath, son from the dead. In 2 Kings 4, the prophet Elijah was raised a Shunammite woman's son from the dead. In 2 Kings 13, I love this one. A man was being buried, and the enemies were coming, so they took the man's body and threw it in Elisha's tomb. And when they threw the body in Elisha's tomb, the man came alive. You want to talk about the heebie-jeebies that day, huh? They're just dishing this guy in a tomb because the enemy's coming. I believe it was the Moabites. And they're coming, and so they just put him in the tomb, and he comes alive. God's always trying to show things in so many ways. The power of God. I like Luke 7, the widow of Nain's son. Jesus actually is seeing a funeral procession. This is the God of life. That's why he did what he did. God's about life. So let's live life to the fullest. Let's live life in faith. Let's start to believe what God's word really says. Let's get to know the author and his book and his power of his Holy Spirit. And let's believe God for great things. Let's share and care the gospel to all people who come into our path because it's the message that will transform lives, transform families. So Jesus is... In Nain's son and sees this funeral taking place and he interrupts the funeral. He sees the mother mourning for the son and that funeral procession changed because that little boy was raised from the dead. Jairus' daughter, another situation. There's many situations it shouldn't be shock that God can raise the dead. He's been doing it right from the very beginning. God's in control. God is in control. No matter where you find yourself, we can overcome life's greatest challenges if we allow the hope of the resurrection to rule and reign in our heart and life. So let me just ask you a couple questions. What's died in your life? Your dreams, your passions, your goals. What's really is something, your relationship, your marriage. I want you to think about something that you need God to revive in your heart and life. Your passion for God. Pain that we go through can, can really steal your passion for God. People that continue to say negative things to you or things uh, off cuff can really affect your, the way you think and your relationship with God. What is it that needs to be revived? Because your God 
is a God that can take things that look like there's no hope and make a way that where there seems to be no way. Those watching online, what's in your life that you need God to resurrect? What's in your life that you need God to change? What's in your life that you feel like the relationship going down the tubes and it can't be fixed? Or what is it? Because your God's bigger than that. Thing, we need to get a hold of who this God is. Even in the midst of the test, even in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the pressure, in the midst of the pain, God still rules. And where he rules, he reigns. He's a good God. He's a great God. And he's on your side. It ends in verses 45. It says this, Therefore many of the Jews who had believed come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did and put their faith in him. Someone say put their faith in him. Because God had a bigger picture. And he said, you know what? Mary and Martha are going to have to have a little bit of pain for a little bit because there's something greater for the kingdom. I think of Jacob. Jacob didn't even know Joseph was even living for a long, long, long time. He thought a, an animal had devoured him. And Jacob went through some loss until one day he found out that his son was second in command of all Egypt. That because of his son and the big picture of God, the whole heritage, the whole group of the Israelites now have food. God has already provided for them. His ways are higher than your ways. As high as the heaven from the earth, so the ways of the Lord higher than your ways. So I want you to understand that he does things different. But whatever he does, not only is it good, it's also great. He's a good and great God. He's not like man that he would lie. The pieces of the puzzles that you get, take them and understand it's just one piece to a bigger piece. That God has greater work to be taken place. What you've gone through, God wants to use to be a blessing, to be a help, to be a strength to other people. Because they need certain people to come in at a certain time. So they can understand the grace and the mercy and the love of God. Can someone say amen? Amen. amen. Can you stand to your feet in the house of the Lord? Those watching online, most important thing that I'm going to address to here to the people, but to you, is Jesus, your Savior. Have you gone through some devastating loss? I'm going to say that our hearts are with you. Our prayers are for you. But more than that, we believe God will work a work if you just turn to the Lord. Each one of you, no matter what devastating loss you go through, you have to turn to the Lord. You must make God your Savior. The first step is asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins to come into your life. And if you do that, if you do that, God will be with you. If you can believe that he died for you, he loved you so much that he stretched out his arms and he died. If you can believe God that he loved you so much that he would do that, but also believe him that on the third day he rose again, he rose again for you to defeat sin, death, and the grave, to give hope, to give life. He did that all for you. If you want those watching online, those here, if Jesus is not your Savior, you have never made him your Savior, you never say, God, forgive me of my sin. Just say, I want to make Jesus my Savior. Just raise your hand and say, God, I want God my Savior. I want God my God. I want the Lord. I want the Lord. I want the Lord. God wants you. Even better than that. How many of you would say, yeah, I've been through some loss. I've been through some loss. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of you say, yeah, it's hard. Maybe you've done through some losses. Raise your hand and say, God, I need help. I need strength. I need your strength. I need your touch. Let me, let me just pray for you.
These altars are going to be open. We want to pray for you if you have a need. Remember, after service is pizza with the pastor, but we want to make sure that this altar is, can alter your life as well. We want God to touch you. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, we want you to contact us. Let's pray. Father, I just ask right now, you are the Lord of all. You are God. Father, I pray right now, will you do a work in each heart? In the midst of their pain, I pray that they see your promise. Father, I pray in the midst of the pressure, I pray, Lord, they sense your presence. And Father, I pray right now for your people, Lord, they would continue to draw ever so close to you and cast all their cares upon you for you care for them. Father, we just ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give them God some praise in the house of the Lord? Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean, have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.